Welcome to The Bell Podcast, produced by Mental Health America of Kentucky. I'm your host, Marcy Timmerman. Thanks for joining us for episode number three. To review, we have been talking about 10 tips for living life well from Mental Health America National. Those tips are, in no particular order, connect with others, stay positive, get physically active, help others, get enough sleep, create joy and satisfaction, eat well, take care of your spirit, deal better with hard times, and last but not least, get professional help if you need it. Last episode, we dove into the connect with others tip and what it really means. In this episode, we're tackling the stay positive mandate. Science tells us the human species probably survived this long because we have a knack for detecting danger. But worry-filled thoughts can present dangers of their own. Negative thoughts can drag down our mood, negatively change our actions, and can even hurt our health. There are benefits to staying positive, and that's not me being a generally positive person. That's peer-reviewed research talking. Did you know people who were pessimistic had a nearly 20% higher risk of dying over a 30-year period than those who were optimistic? People who kept track of their gratitude once a week were more upbeat and had fewer physical complaints than others. People who obsessively repeated negative thoughts and behaviors were able to change their unhealthy patterns by going more positive. Their brain activity actually changed too. To be clear, trying to be optimistic doesn't mean ignoring the uglier sides of life. It just means focusing on the positive as much as possible, and that gets easier with practice. If you want to become more optimistic, here's an exercise by Laura King, PhD, that was proven to be a mood booster. We'll call it Envision Your Goals and Dreams Coming True. Set aside a decent chunk of time and get out a pen and paper. Yes, I said pen and paper. No, I didn't say to do this at this moment. Just when you're doing this exercise, get a pen and paper or pencil is fine. A computer keyboard will also work, but research tells us information gets more embedded into your brain through the physical act of writing something down. So you've got a set amount of time and the right tools to write. Now you're going to write down your goals and dreams, the things you don't ever put down on paper or even let yourself think. You're going to write them down like they're happening to you right now. Get them out there. Then you're going to do this every day for four consecutive days for at least 20 minutes each time. At the end of four days, or by the fourth time you've done this, you'll have made a positive shift in your thinking. It might be small at first, and it can take longer, but it works. Another variation on this exercise by Dr. King is to imagine positive outcomes for a particularly challenging situation. Something going seriously wrong at work? What are the positive outcomes you can see? Write them down. Do it a couple or even four different times. Then see what happens when you force yourself to think of positive outcomes and not just the negative ones. Along the work front, let's practice another technique, which is search for the silver lining. Yeah, it's a cliche. I know. You'll find the tips helpful when you least expect it, though, I bet. When faced with a difficult or negative situation, ask yourself, number one, how have I grown from this situation? Number two, are my relationships stronger now? Number three, have I developed new skills? Four, what am I proud of about the way I handled the situation? Noticing and appreciating the positives in our lives offers a great mood boost. Let's walk through a real-world example of just that. Say you're laid off from a job you love in an area you love, but that area doesn't have a lot of jobs you could do at the same wage with the same skills. With the layoff, it feels like you've been totally screwed. That feeling is valid. Grief over the job loss is valid. You're sad because you're likely going to have to move, and let's face it, job hunting sucks. All that is true, but you still want to get up and move on. As best you can, at least. So you start to ask yourself, how have I grown from this? You realize what you liked and what you didn't like about that job. 
You realize which coworkers you will miss and you aren't going to be sad to leave. You realize which skills you have, maybe with the help of a professional resume writer or a skilled headhunter. But you really see all that you've learned and done over your time at that job. You may also see what you didn't do so you can get better at your next gig or explore finding a job that you really want to do rather than just what you've always done. Then you ask, are my relationships stronger now? It's typical for newly unemployed people to start reaching out to business contacts, maybe renewing contact with people whom you haven't seen in a few years. That can be a great thing to do, and it can help build relationships. Your spouse and or children and or roommates have been affected by this job loss, no doubt. Have there been things you did as a family that helped you get closer during this potentially tragic event? Did you learn things about each other and how to improve your relationships? My guess is, yes, you did, or at least you will. Then ask yourself, have I developed new skills? With any job search, you're learning how people do it now. With modern technology, resumes and job searches and all of that are ever-changing. How have you used this to grow and recognize what you need to learn? Have you taken advantage of the time off to polish up some skills you needed for job openings you're seeing? Have you taken time to do some things around the house that needed done? All of these are things you learned and did to make yourself better despite a negative situation. Finally, it's kind of easy to relay what you are not proud of with your situation. Maybe you lashed out at your boss who laid you off. Maybe you didn't make the best use of your time at home. Maybe you didn't handle the stress of change very well. But asking yourself what you are proud of is a shift in mindset. What do you think you did well? What success did you find? Did you get a new job? Build new relationships? Rediscover your network of support? There are lots of positive things that can come out of something that really sounds awful on the surface. Finding the silver lining is not all rose-colored glasses, and it's not ignoring the negative. It's acknowledging the positive and what negative things have happened. We're talking about a shift in thinking, and that's never easy, but it is possible. So we're going to move on to another possible shift in thinking that can help you stay positive. It's starting to be grateful. No, I'm not talking about being grateful for the boiled Brussels sprouts on your dinner plate because there are starving children in the world, as your mom may have scolded you with in the past. Instead, I'm talking more about being grateful as a mindset. Oprah, psychology experts all call it practicing gratitude. To increase your gratefulness, you can write a gratitude letter. Researcher Martin Seligman, Ph.D., asked subjects to write a letter thanking someone who had been particularly kind to them and then delivered in person. The letter writers enjoyed impressive positive effects even a month later. Keep a gratitude journal. Write down anything large or small that makes you smile, including terrific achievements, touching moments, and great relationships. Remind yourself to savor. Yes, stop and smell the roses and look at them and touch them. Do whatever you can to really soak in the lovelier aspects of your life. And fourth, share your good news. Studies of people's reactions to positive development suggest that those who tell a friend about a happy event enjoy it even more. In the month of November, people tend to publish the things they're grateful for with hashtag grateful or hashtag thankful. Consider doing that during the rest of this week, the month of December, or honestly, anytime. I find doing that as a way to share my social media friends and followers who I am and what I stand for. It's a positive approach to dialogue rather than pointing fingers and getting into meme wars or tearing apart illogical arguments. Anywho, I digress. <laughs> if you want to feel positive, it pays to decrease the downers in your life. With practice, you can resist worrisome thoughts and perhaps even transform your internal critic into more of a cheering squad. Avoid dwelling on downers. Focusing on negatives isn't just unpleasant. It can also make you less effective in tackling the tasks that you're facing every day. In a study of test takers, those who fixated on worrisome thoughts performed worse than those who were distracted from their worries. To stifle your obsessing, here are a couple of tips. Ask yourself if the issue is really worth your energy. Will this issue matter in a year, for example? Tell yourself you'll worry about it at a specific time later. 
Chances are you'll feel better by the appointed time. Instead of just spinning your worry wheels, try a concrete problem-solving exercise. You can look up those on Google. Distract yourself. Go to a movie, pump up some music, find something fun to do. Those are all ways to avoid dwelling on downers. Another downer to decrease is unhealthy self-talk. You may have been running negative messages in your head for a long time, but research shows that you can learn to shift your thoughts and that over time you can literally change your brain. Consider trying some techniques from cognitive behavioral therapy, which works in part by looking at how changing your thoughts can change your life. Some tips from CBT are to ask yourself if negative thought is really true. Are you really a terrible mother if you didn't make it to the class play? You're probably involved in innumerable other ways. Remember any achievements that disprove your insecurity. If you think you'll flop at the office party, remember other social occasions when you were outgoing and confident. Imagine what you'd tell a friend if he was worrying in ways that you are. You'd likely convince him to wait a bit before assuming the worst, right? Why aren't you doing that to yourself? Beware of all or nothing thinking, or we might say it's black and white thinking. Disappointing your girlfriend once doesn't mean you're doomed to disappoint her all the time. Same with your kids, same with your husband, right? Like one time does not make all the times. Make sure you're not making that cognitive leap. And the last tip is consider alternative explanations. For instance, if you're worried your boss hasn't responded to your proposal, it could be because he's busy, not because he doesn't like it. So consider all those options. I hope this episode held helpful information for you. If you'd like to know more about Mental Health America of Kentucky, please visit our website at mhaky.org. Sign up for our email and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to Adam Sofkoplis for creating the Bell podcast theme you hear. His website is in our show notes. Also, thanks to Jennifer Longworth of Bourbon Barrel Podcasting for doing the tough job of sound editing. Her website is also in our show notes. Remember, everyone has mental health. It's time to take care of yours. Thank you.